Hello, welcome to a, another EMA cast. Um, in this series of EMA cast, we're looking at sort of new thinking, the current themes that affect sort of the management of people and human resources in, in New Zealand. Um, and, um, you know, sort of exploring sort of a lot of the sort of latest thinking around, you know, how can organisations be effective given the huge challenges there are in the world at the moment? And um, I'm really pleased today that uh, I'll be talking to Samantha Gaird. And uh, Samantha is the, the owner of a business called Humankind and also has launched a business called Excellent. Um, so there's, there's quite a few names uh, to get our heads around here. And, um, but the main focus is really is that Samantha has been at the forefront of thinking around the employee experience here in New Zealand and beyond. Um, so very pleased to have Samantha here today and I'd like to ask Samantha to introduce herself and perhaps talk a little bit about her journey that, that led to these businesses. So Samantha, thank you for coming. Thanks John, yeah excited about this conversation. Um, I think to start with, yeah, my current kind of role is founder and co-CEO of Excellent, um, and we're on a mission globally to take employee experience to the world, which is pretty cool coming from New Zealand, um, but I'll share my background. Um, I have spent my life in employee experience. I feel like it's my whole kind of career has led me to do what I'm doing today. Um, I am Wellington born and bred. Um, I have grown up with businesses sort of around me, so my grandfather was a uh, founder and he was actually one of the founders of Rembrandt Suits, which still is around today. And my father also was in business, or is in business. He owns a business in the quarrying and contracting industry. So it was a really natural thing for me to head into business as well. And I've always been really fascinated and um, passionate about people in business. So um, I started my career in, in HR in Wellington, had a couple of HR jobs. My last uh, permanent employed job, which is a long time ago <laughs> now, was working at Bell Gully, one of the law firms in New Zealand. Yes. I looked after the uh, HR function for the Wellington office. And I really loved that role. Um, but it would be fair to say when I was working there I started to get a little bit disillusioned with HR as an industry um, and I came across the field of life coaching, became a life coach, thought this is it, this is me. I really wanted to help people to love what they do. That's been at the core of my being for a very long time. Um, and so start, I, I actually went out on my own and started a business about 15 years ago when I was pregnant with my first son. <laughs> and um, and and I initially I wanted to be a full-time coach um, but as soon as I went out on my own the Wellington network as it is um, I was starting to get inquiries from people on my network around they were at a small business they needed HR help they couldn't afford to hire a full-time HR manager but they needed someone that knew what they were doing so would I come in and help and I thought why not so I ended up doing a real mix of coaching and consulting in the early years um, and then 11 years ago um, I turned those consulting opportunities into a business at the time it was called HR shop um, and as soon as I started HR shop I pulled in a few people from my network who were also experienced HR leaders didn't want to have full-time uh, work they wanted flexible interesting work um, and HR shop could provide that um, and for the first three years it was a real uh, high growth kind of story we were fastest services fastest growing services business in Wellington on, on the Deloitte Fast 50 um, and it seemed that there was a lot of small and medium businesses that needed good HR help Again, about three years into that, I started to feel a bit disillusioned again, and this is the time when I first heard the term employee experience. I was listening to a podcast, Mark Levy from Airbnb telling his story about how they set up an employee experience function, or that's what they focused on at Airbnb, and when I heard those words, I was like, this is the rest of my career. I knew that employee experience was 100% the future of the HR domain. Um, and so I went about really starting to transform my business HR shop into an employee experience um, 
business. Um, the first thing I needed to do was change our name. So I changed our name to Humankind. Um, and now, you know, sort of 11 years into that business, really proud to say that Humankind is an employee experience consultancy. Um, and it took a lot of uh, sort of really deliberate thinking there because at the time, employee experience wasn't even defined. So we had to come out with our own definition. We had to develop a framework which we which we could look at employee experience um, through that lens. And we also integrated design thinking with our methodology. And to say it was game changing would be an understatement. It was really transformational for our company, but also really transformational for the companies that we were working with. Fast forward to 2020, um, I was no longer the CEO of Humankind. I have one of our amazing leadership teams stepped into that role um, and I was wanting to really have a bigger impact. So I could see that employee experience design was really impactful for the clients at Humankind, but I wanted to like push that further. So I created a program called Employee Experience Design School, um, which is really a program to help uh, mostly HR practitioners, but actually business and people leaders around the world to understand what employee experience is and how to use employee experience design in their organization. Um, and then uh, last year, I took employee experience design school out of humankind and created Excellent, which is my new entity. Um, and that's where all of my, my focus goes now. So Excellent is uh, leading a global EX revolution, we like to call it. Um, we're really, we really believe that we're at the cutting edge, um, actually globally in this space. Uh, last year we did a really cool project sort of furthering the work that we did at Humankind to define employee experience. We wanted to define employee experience for the world. So we actually uh, brought together an incredible group of global thought leaders, including Mark Levy, the very first head of EX at Airbnb, which was the beginning of my story, um, and a bunch of other leaders from organisations like Patagonia and, and Uber and like really amazing um, people, you know, the head of talent from Netflix, all of these incredible people contributed to writing an employee experience manifesto for the world. Um, and if anyone's interested in that, exmanifesto.com, it's a really great place to like really understand what employee experience is, the core values of EX, and then um, ultimately the principles of EX design. So I feel like my whole career has led me here. Um, along the way, I've, I've got three sons, and um, now I'm just really grateful for the opportunity to be taking the EX thinking and knowledge and capability that our incredible team at Humankind have developed out to a much broader audience. Wow, there's there's so much there in ter in terms of that journey, and um, sort of covered it very succinctly. I think there is a tremendous trajectory from uh, sort of Wellington and you working in in Belgali to now taking EX to the world and leading the world. We'd like to think very much yeah. around that thinking. So um, ter terrific there. So many things to explore about building the business and uh, the way things have developed along the way. Um, but can I just sort of back up and just mm. a little bit around, you know, the, the words that get gets used around human resources, personnel, people, employee experience. Talk a little bit to me about, you know, how you distinguish employee experience. In yeah, that. I think it's really an evolution. You know, personnel mm. was the very beginning and then went on to human resources. People and culture is where a lot of people are at now. And I think employee experience or I like to think about it as individuals and experience is kind of the next phase. Um, and I think the changes there is human resources was really about protecting the company. It's about mm. reducing risk. It's about compliance. It's, it's very company centric. So it's 
what does the company need to do to kind of get the most out of employees? And I would almost say it's a little bit about extraction. Like, how do we extract as much as we possibly can from employees? I think when we moved from uh, human resources into people and culture, this was a time where we recognised that actually developing a really great culture in our organisations leads to higher engagement and therefore more productivity and therefore more on the bottom line. So it was very much um, a movement that recognised that culture was really important. This is when things like values came into the picture. Um, But ultimately, I do still think that people and culture, the value is really for the company in many ways because the value of culture sits with the organisation and stays with the organisation. The only thing employees have is their own individual experience. So I like to think in this next wave, which I'm I'm, I'm liking to call individuals and experience, is where the EX kind of thinking comes in. And we've gone from company-centric to employee-centric. And I can talk for a long time about why I think that's really important. Um, do you want me to share why I think employee-centric is the way to go? Absolutely, I think yeah. so, because, you know, that starts to sound like me, to me, like, okay, so this is going to be a tough sell in terms of a business. This is about your individuals rather than about your business. So, yeah, tell me more about it. Yeah, well, I think if you think about it, so also we've seen the massive growth in industries like user experience and customer experience, UX, CX, and now we're talking about EX. The reason being is organisations that win have the best customer experience. I mean, that's like not debatable. And now we know that great employee experience leads to great customer experience. And the reason we know that is really there's only one role for the organisation. If you think about the exchange of value, organisations provide value to employees, employees provide value to customers. It is almost impossible for an organisation to provide value to customers without employees or without going through employees. However, the challenge is that now employees can provide value directly to customers without the organisation. That is what we call the growth of the gig economy. The gig economy in the US is growing at three times the rate of the US workforce. So if you think about it, if we don't want, if we want our organisations to remain relevant, and to, remain, and to actually have a role, the only role for organisations is to provide value to the employee, who then imply, provide value to the customer. And I think the rise of the gig economy is, is really interesting. And if we look at Gen Z, and I know a lot of organisational leaders have a lot of bad things to say about Gen Z, and it really gets my skin crawling because I feel like this is just the next generation. Yes, they have different preferences, needs, wants, desires. We've got to understand them because at the moment, Gen Z are just completely opting out of working for organisations. They're just joining the gig economy in droves. And it's because they want to, they want their own experience, you know. So if organisations want to remain relevant and not go, frankly, extinct, organisations need to understand that their number one job is to provide value to employees. And they need to trust that if they do that, their employees will provide value to customers. So we think employee first is the only way to look at that that equation. Crikey. So that creates quite a sort of burning platform for an organisation to take action. But also it seems to reverse an order that organisations have often thought about things. You put the customer first yeah. and then it's the, the employees. Yeah. Tell me about that. I, I think this is fascinating and it's a debate that I'm having a lot at the moment and I love it <laughs> because I feel like for a long time organisations have prided themselves on being customer first. Um But I think about it, a lot of organisations, it's actually more expensive to find a new employee or to lose an employee, if you look at the cost of that, to actually find or lose a customer. And a lot of organisations, especially the the sort of organisations that have got a lot of frontline employees Mm. or retail or hospitality, 
it's far more expensive to find or lose a employee than it is a customer. We spend a lot of time looking at the data around our customers. And most organizations know the cost, you know, the cost of acquisition, CAC, for a customer. Yeah. Um, and they also know the cost of um, customer churn. I would challenge organizations that you should know those same numbers about your employees. And I would guarantee that in many organizations, it's actually more expensive to acquire a new employee or lose an employee. So just from a saving money perspective, it's really important that organizations know that employees are absolutely as important in my view you know, it should be employee first because that's the way that you ultimately can win. So you're talking about measures there that are quite hard financial ones in terms oh, of yeah. the employee experience. Mm, yeah, definitely. It's This stuff has a real bottom line impact. And I think at the moment in this really challenging economic environment, and I, I know this challenging economic environment because I am a business leader myself. I have yeah. two companies. Um, one of them has got investment and obviously that market is just crazy right now. And, and the other one is a services business, which is, you know, we're 100% shareholders of. Um, it's, it's really easy in these sort of times to not focus on your employees or not prioritise employee experience. But the reality is that's at your own risk, really, because losing great people really costs you a lot of money. So EX stops you from losing great people. Also productivity. People are way more productive when they're happy and they're having a great employee experience. You need people, you need every minute of that productivity in this type of market. You also need your employees to be really innovative and adaptable because organisations are having to like twist and turn to navigate all of the challenges that are out there for them right now. The only employees that are going to be adaptable and innovative are the ones that are having a great employee experience. And even things like if your organisation is spending any money on employee experience, which you will be, whether you're deliberate about it or not, mm. be that salaries, well-being programs, any sort of benefits, how you know how you run your office, how you support people to work hybrid, all of those things are costs in employee experience. If you're not taking an employee experience approach and really seeking to understand whether those things even matter to your people, how they rate those things, how they would contribute to the design of those things, then you're potentially like wasting money. Yeah. So it's really never been more critical for organisations to understand what employee experience is and how to take that approach in their organisation. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that, that criticality sort of stands out with so much of the data that we see around organisations now really focusing attention on what do we do, what do we need to do to retain staff beyond uh, offering higher salary? Um, and uh, what do we do in order to attract people in the marketplace yep. where um, everyone's advertising and how do we kind of stand, stand out? In, the, in that place. So as an organisation, if, if I'm sort of convinced by this stage that, yeah, employee experience is the route I, I want to go down, how, how do I go about doing it as an HR manager? What would be the sort of steps to ensure that there's a great employee experience in my organisation? Yeah. Do you know it's really simple? <laughs> and most people don't do it. So the first place to start is to ask your people. Right. So I think one of the core beliefs behind employee experience and employee experience design is we believe that the solutions we seek lie in the population we serve. Just as we would for customers. If we're trying to improve the customer experience, would we do that without asking our customers? No, we wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. So really like turn that thinking onto the inside of your business. If we're trying to improve employee experience, the first place we start is by asking our people. And we ask them questions like, why did you join why do you stay with us? 
what's getting in the way, what's enabling, you know, what's getting in the way of you having a really seamless experience, what's impacting your productivity, what do you love, like what, what would you change? And honestly, I can tell you from all of my experience, most employees have never been asked any of those questions and that's just such a, like an untapped resource. And I think if I go, if I think about why leaders and organisations don't ask those questions, a lot of it is about fear. So I think as a business leader, and I also know this myself from my own journey, we feel like we should have the answers. We feel like people look to us to have the answers. And if we don't have the answers, we feel like embarrassed or maybe like that we're not doing our job. But I think leadership has massively changed and changing. And I and really what we need to realise is that we don't have the answers. No one does. We're in unprecedented times. There goes that word. But we're in times now post-COVID that we're navigating challenges no one's ever navigated before. And you can no longer look over the fence to the organisation next door and kind of copy what they're doing. There is no best practice to lean into or or uh, refer to because these problems haven't been seen before. So if we're brave enough to say, okay, well, I don't actually have the answer, which most of us don't, asking your people is the only logical place to start. But it does take a bit of courage and it does take us to kind of drop our egos essentially as leaders and kind of realize that we don't have the answers to start with that process. Yeah, I I, I, I like that phrase actually about it being unprecedented times because mm. personally I sort of notice a lot from these conversations and others so much change going on and the recognition that there's been well, whatever but people sort of talk about in the last three years there's been more change than the previous 20 this this sort of analogy and my, my sense is that in three years time we'll be saying exactly the same thing again there's been so much oh, change yeah. so um, I you know I think that serves us well to kind of do that thing about okay so if if I've never been here before, maybe I need to step back and let go and, and find out what people think. But, um, you know, I think there's a thing about, well, if you go to your staff and ask them what, what, what they want, you're perhaps raising some expectations. How would you meet them? Those sort of concerns must be in people's minds too. <laughs> yeah. um, honestly, this is just such a common conversation I have. Uh, yes, of course they will be in people's minds, but I think we're, as a leader we have a couple of jobs. One is it's very important for us as business leaders to set context. Yeah. We need to be sharing with our employees as transparently as we can, and I've always been incredibly transparent in the businesses that I've led, um, about the environment, about our business performance, about the challenges that we're facing, about the number one, you know, keeping the number one thing the number one thing. Like, what are we working on as an organisation and how do we as an organisation win in our market? As leaders, that is our responsibility to be able to, A, kind of have an idea about those things and B, to share it with our people. If we share that context really well with our employees, employees are not going to be unreasonable. It's That's never the case when I've seen this happen in practice. Mm -hmm. Employees want the organisation to win. Yeah. They don't want to put the organisation under. And I think often leaders are scared that employees will be unreasonable. And I think actually that fear is generally not grounded in reality. Um, I think employees, if you set the context properly, are going to suggest things that are very reasonable and often are way more in line with what leaders think is reasonable as well than what they might think before they head out into, that, um, into asking those questions. And what I would suggest is if you're scared... Like, just give it a go first before you kind of let that fear stop you. You know, I think I think set the context, have really good conversations with your employees around the very real challenges that exist in the market today and ask employees what they think. Like, they're the ones that are closest to your customers. They probably have a whole bunch of ideas that you've never thought of to save money, to make more money, to, you know, and sometimes the things that would help them with their employee experience isn't, 
a really expensive new benefit, it might be, hey, if we change this process that 50% of our organisation has to use every day to do our work, which is really cumbersome and like not fun at all to use, if we adapted it in this way and that way, that would save us time and make us more efficient. I mean, don't we want to know those things from our employees? But often we never ask. And most employees that I've had conversations with have never, ever been asked those questions. So it's a massive unlock, I think, for orgs. Right. I mean, to, to me, that sounds, it's, it, there's a very common sense approach there. And uh, definitely that kind of letting go of fear and sort of asking those questions, get, getting that feedback. And um, certainly anyone can do that really at, at any time. But I'm conscious that you have a methodology around, around this. You talk about the design school and so forth. Do you, do you want to tell us a little bit, a little about that sort of more formal approach? Yeah, sure. I mean, the approach that I've been talking about essentially is discovery, which yeah. is always the way that you begin any employee experience project. And as leaders, we should be constantly in discovery mode, constantly wanting to learn not believing we already know, already have the answer and having a really open mind to what we're hearing. So that's always a good place to start. Yep. And I think often as business leaders, we see problems in front of us and we want to like run at them and solve them. But often maybe what we're seeing is the symptom of something that we don't quite yet understand. So yep. essentially when we're thinking about taking an employee experience design approach, it's really spending a lot of time figuring out what problem we're trying to solve. Yep. And the only way we can do that is by very good discovery and understanding all of the things that are happening before jumping to, before sort of narrowing in on what is the problem we're trying to solve today. Once you are clear on the problem you're trying to solve by doing that discovery and sort of really narrowing that down, then you would take what we call a co-design approach. Mm -hmm. So instead of, okay, cool, we know the problem is um, maybe collaboration isn't happening as much as it was pre-COVID now that we're all hybrid. It's yes. a problem lots yeah, of people yeah, have. Yeah. Um, instead of going, okay, well, I know the problem, now I'm going to come up with three different answers and solve for it. Yeah. Why wouldn't you then involve employees in all of the different ideas to solve it? So this is what we call co-design. We would ask employees, maybe it's gathering a group of people that are particularly passionate about this problem to say like, what are all the ways that we could solve for this? And like really go wide with our thinking because there's never just one way. And at this point, it's like time to choose one of the things that come up and then test it. You know, it's not about uh, maybe an HR team or a leadership team sitting in the back room for six months, coming up with a big shiny solution to a problem that they've observed and then trying to influence everyone to do it. It's about trying ideas, testing, iterating, getting feedback, testing again, and then implementing something in your organisation. And that whole way along, employees should be involved um, and have the opportunity to be involved. My like bigger vision for the world is that every employee has the opportunity to contribute to the design of their own employee experience. Because we know, and I mean, I certainly know, that's why I don't have a job, <laughs> I'm, my, I'm my own leader. Um, I want to totally be in control of my own employee experience. And I think everyone has that desire to contribute to the things that impact them. Um, but often we're not doing that. So that process is really starting with discovery, being very open, getting very clear on the problem we're trying to solve, and then uh, using a co-design approach involving employees. And you know, it's taking inspiration from other industries that have used design for a very long time extremely successfully to believe that design is never done. You're always kind of testing and prototyping and, and seeking feedback and iterating, and that is a process that is constant. And with the shifting sands at the moment, yeah. you know, you've got to believe that the solutions that you have today in your workplace are not going to be the same as they will be in 12 or 24 months. So embedding the mindsets is probably the most critical place to start. 
And I think really beginning, you know, if we start right back at the beginning, it's kind of learning about what employee experience is and learning some of the tools, methodologies that you can use to take this approach. Yeah, so this this collaboration with your employees, this sort of asking your employees isn't just a sort of one-off one off thing. It goes to the design as well in terms of that collaboration and co-design. And it sounds like what you're saying there as well, it's not just a one-off solve that solution. This is actually embedding an approach in your organisation that will serve you well going forward. It's it's really a way of being. It's a way yeah. of working. And it's a, it's a bit of a belief system, to yes. be honest. I think the CEO, the founder, the owner, particularly in small and medium businesses, yes. they have to believe that this is a really great way of going about it. The only way you're going to believe that is if you give it a go and see what the results are. But I think uh, becoming an EX organisation, mm. this is not something that just sits with one HR person. Yeah. It's not something that's owned and solely owned by the HR team. Employee experience sits right across your organisation. It's everything from where your workplace is located, it's the technology and processes and systems people use, it's it's it sits across like your IT team, your digital team, your I mean lots of small businesses won't have those sort of teams, but it's every function in your org is contributes to the experience of your employees. Absolutely. So I get from that that it would be very important to have the owner or the managing director kind of on board and sort of sort of understanding this because it is such a major shift that's going mm-hmm. to affect everyone. Um, so I've got to be slightly mischievous, actually, and I ask you, to, to what extent did you apply this to your own journey? Because I've heard this journey from HR shop to humankind yeah. to excellent. Tell me about that. Absolutely. Like, as soon as I learned about this way of thinking and being, I definitely was I, was, I was having to transform myself as a leader because I am an HR person. Like, that's how I've grown up. That's, this, that's what I studied. That's my job history. And HR is a funny old domain because we are taught that we're the advisors, we're the experts, we have the answers. Yep. <laughs> so for a lot of HR people, it's really unlearning our career, to be honest. It's unlearning to be obsessed with best practice. It's unlearning that, you know, when an organization or a leader comes to you to just have the answer straight away, it's learning a whole lot of new skills and, and techniques. Um, and I know that a lot of people that are in EX design school, uh, they've said the same. They've had to like unlearn a whole bunch of stuff before they could kind of take this new approach and apply these new mindsets. And as soon as I did this as a leader, I mean, I can tell you the first thing is, man, the pressure comes off. Like right. you as a leader feel so much pressure to have the answer and know the answer. But when you realize that you don't have to have the answers, <laughs> it's like, phew, because I didn't anyway. And now I can be real about that. Um, and we've definitely applied that at Humankind. We you know, along the way, absolutely have um, embedded employee experience design in everything that we do at Humankind. And I think the results speak for themselves, our continued growth over 11 years. And um, I'm extremely proud of how the leadership team and the team at Humankind absolutely uh, drink their own champagne. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Yes, yeah. I, like, I always like that analogy. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. So, um, you know, so you applied it within your own business. Um, it's spread out into, into New Zealand through, through the design school, but you went over to South by Southwest and you sort of talk about taking um, EX design and excellent to the world. T- mm. Tell me what your ambitions are there and how's that going? Huge ambitions. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> there is no limit to those. Um, I'm so excited about where this could go. So I'm speaking to people 
every week from around the world. Um, just a couple of nights ago, I was on a call and there was people from Bulgaria, Scotland, the UK, the US on this particular call talking about employee experience. Um, we've spent a bit of time in the US. We're working with organisations. We're working with organisations like Uber, Patagonia, Dentsu, who have sixty thousand employees. Um, really, really incredible brands. Uh, part of what we're doing at Excellent, and we know that the conversations we're having around employee experience, employee experience design, employee experience design mindsets. I have to say we're at the very, very beginning of a very big wave. Um, I think employee experience design is going to be an enormous job category. We're trying to create that job category. We've, we've created the certification. It's the first certification in the world. Um, and I know that this thinking is very cutting edge because uh, I talk to people every day from around the world and you know they're excited about it. And there is people that have got real deep expertise in this space and often it comes from outside of HR. So product thinkers, design thinkers, um, people that have come from those sort of backgrounds yeah. add a lot of value to the way employee experience uh, sort of unfolds in their organisation. And so we're learning from incredible organisations and, and that's why we did the EX Manifesto project last year yeah. is to really collaborate with some of the best people in the world but also to start to set a bit of a, a standard and um, a bit of a sort of put a flag in the sand for what organisations could be aiming for. Um, and if, if anyone reads the manifesto, there's three values in that manifesto which, um, you know, you could look at them almost as sliding scales. So one of them is workers enriching over workers work extractive. Yeah. Um, and that means employees get out more than they put in. Yeah. Now that is extremely confronting and very, uh, you know, courageous, I think, for organisations to aim for that. But, you know, even if you start, as, even if you start by saying, like, do what do employees get out versus what do they put in? Like that's a really good starting point for a yeah. conversation. The next value is um, uh, basically growing talent versus fighting for talent. So yeah. getting rid of this idea that there's this tiny pool of top talent that everyone fights for. It's like actually anyone can be incredible talent. You've just got to give them the right environment, tools, context. You know you've got you've got to nurture that and give them a great experience and then unlock it. And then the last value, which I love, which we've talked about already, is employee first over customer first. Right. Yeah. And again, a great place to start in your organisation is to have the conversation. Like, where are we on that? Are we really org-centric customer first or are we employee first? And what would it look like to nudge a little bit up that, that spectrum? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So the manifesto maintains... Uh, those those three sort of pillars pillars to it. What what? Just tell me a little bit more. What's the purpose of the manifesto? Um, it's really to define the space for the yeah. world because I felt like every conversation I was having with employee experience yeah. uh, leaders or people that are sort of adjacent to the field, no one there was no common definition. Yeah. There was no common understanding, and so we wanted to really work with a bunch of other people to say. Hey, like if we need to put a stick in the sand about what this thing is, let's do that. And we took a lot of inspiration from the Agile Manifesto, which right. many people will have heard of it before. 20 years ago, 17 project managers within the IT space decided that project management within IT needed to change. So they created this Agile Manifesto. And now, 20 years later, Agile is an enormous industry and organisations are not just doing technology projects in an agile way, they're actually moving their entire yeah. organisations to agile. So we really took a lot of inspiration from the impact that that piece of work had had and unpicked kind of the system yeah. uh, for that and really tried to um, do that in our own way with a very diverse group of contributors. Yeah. Very good. And um, you talked about some of the organisations that you've been in touch with in, 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 in the US and beyond. I mean, to just tell us a little bit about one that has particularly impressed you about what they've done in, in the employee experience space. Yeah. I mean, I'm a massive fangirl of Patagonia. I think Patagonia 
pretty much everyone loves this brand. <laughs> like they're incredible. They've got such an amazing uh, story. Um, and the value in the manifesto, workers enriching over workers extractive, comes directly from conversations right. with a couple of their leaders. So Patagonia regularly asks their employees, do you get out more than you put in? And I think that is a very, very courageous question to ask. Um, but that to me is just so sort of, um, it's a really great example of how much they care about their humans. And um, and they challenge themselves on that. So that would be a story that really stands out for me. Right. That's that's interesting. So that, that one about, one we've, we've covered two of the pillars, I think, a little bit now in terms of that one about extraction and enrichment and customer experience or employee experience. I'm really interested in, in the, the other one around uh, sort of growing talent rather mm. than fighting for talent. Mm. I, uh, I find a lot of people still leaning on the sort of McKinsey stuff about the battle for talent. And it feels like I, I don't like that analogy. It doesn't sit well with me. Um, so what does it look like around you know, the grow, growing talent, nurturing mm. talent. Yeah. Well, I think now couldn't be more mm. of an important time for this if you think about what's happening in the environment yes. and AI coming in and like just potentially disrupting so many parts of our lives. We've got to believe that really no one today has exactly the skills they're going to need tomorrow. Yeah. And so for me, unlocking talent versus fighting for talent is about really looking at the people that we've got, understanding the context, the strategy for our organisation and seeing how we can bring the people that we have today, how the people we can have today are going to be the people we need for tomorrow. Yeah. And, you know, that's not going to be perfect in all cases, but how do we nurture them, uh, grow them, enable them to, you know, spread into different uh, areas? I've always sort of liked to say in the organisations that I've led, you know, I want you to have any career you want within my organisation. So if you want to, like, focus on something particular or grow a certain skill, or stretch a new muscle or flex a new muscle or whatever <laughs> yeah, it is, yeah. like, you should be able to do that and so how can I as a leader un unlock that and I think that is great for retention yeah. it's you know which obviously is money on the bottom line <laughs> um and I I think given now everything is changing around us I think this is going to become more and more important to look at the people we have and say and you know a, a business leader I really respect really is like how do we have our people for 30 years like what if everyone stayed here for 30 years what would that look like what would we need to be as an organization because you know it's it's not easy bringing in new people and the people that you have probably have a huge amount of value to, that you haven't unlocked. Right. So, mm. again, it sounds like there's there's definitely a cost saving there that you're kind of pr proposing to people, which is mm. keep the people they have, think about the mm. talents they have, explore that more, unlock those and use those so that you don't lose those people yeah. and have to have to recruit new people in and just end up in that cycle again. Totally. Yeah. And I think a lot of, um, you know, I've worked with hundreds of small business owners mm. over my career, particularly in the early stages of humankind. Mm. And a lot of times, you know, you'll get phone calls from business leaders or business owners that's like, this person, person isn't working out, this person isn't performing, I need to exit this person. And actually the first question I always ask, and I know this is challenging for leaders to hear, is like, you know, it's kind of like look in the mirror. Like, what have you done to create this situation? Have you provided them clarity? Do they know what they're supposed to be doing? Do they know the context properly? Do they have the right tool, tools to do their job? Because I have a fundamental deep belief that employees, people are good. They want to come to work and perform. No one likes to come to work and do yeah. a bad job. <laughs> Everyone wants to go home at the end of the day feeling like they're achieving success. And my job as a business leader is to share with people what like is to enable them to see what success looks like without external feedback so they should know at the end of every day at the end of every week at the end of every quarter whether they've succeeded or not and they should be able to judge that themselves and 
if I haven't set that person up to believe that, then that's on me. It's not on the employee. So I really think, um, you know, I'd really challenge business leaders today. Like if they've got problems sitting in front of them, the first place to look <laughs> is generally in the mirror. And I know that's a hard thing, but it's the reality. Right. So I think it sounds like you're challenging business leaders in, in quite a way to let go of things, mm-hmm. to be a bit more reflective about how they might contribute to the situation. I think the conversation you, you described is one that uh, about uh, uh, an employee that's not performing that needs to be exited. I think that sort of conversation is one that most HR managers will recognise. Yeah. In fact, we know that it's, it's one of the number one things that stops HR managers getting on and doing things that are future focused is getting tied up in these, totally. these sort of issues. Yeah, so it's up to, you know, as HR leaders, it's our job to influence and, and support and coach our leaders to have those conversations. And, you know, really HR doesn't have a huge amount of impact on the employee experience. Now, that's a tough thing to say. <laughs> yeah, It's the leaders. The leaders are the people that are having conversations with employees every single day. So as HR, like what, are, what, are our, what is our role in supporting our leaders to have those conversations with employees and supporting our leaders to understand the individual humans that are in their team and supporting our leaders to unlock the kind of the talent or the potential or the the co-design opportunities there's so much that we can do in HR to really support our leaders but really it's the leaders that deliver employee experience not HR. Fantastic so I mean what I get from you is a lot of energy and and very inspirational sort of thinking which I think has probably served you very well in this trajectory you've been on over I think you said 11 years and so we've gone from HR shop, humankind, excellent, EX manifesto and so forth. you know, you've now got this plan for, if I can loosely call it, world domination. Um, so, but what's it going to be like five years time? Where, where is it, this going to get to, do you think? Oh, my gosh. Uh, exciting to think five years time. But also, I have no idea because the world is changing so quickly right now. At Excellent, we are building employee first tech. We're really excited about that. Mm. We want to be, we want to power employee experience designers around the world to do a really great job. We want to grow this global profession of employee experience design. And, you know, my hope is that employees around the world have the opportunity to contribute to decisions that impact them. So um, that's a big aspiration. There's a lot of things that we need to do to kind of create that that movement. But um, we're up for the job, you know, and um, I really do feel like this is my life's work. And I've got an incredible co-founder and excellent who brings um, so many other things to the table. She She's the kind of strategy and systems thinking, um, you know, part of our team. And both of us are really aligned on making this impact for employees. And we're both really excited to be building a global business um, out in the world rather than just trying to do this in New Zealand. So that's, the, I mean, that sounds incredible. And I then want to now bring it back to today in, in New Zealand. So an HR manager in a business, say, of sort of 100 people uh, sort of feeling like, oh, I'm excited by this. What are the first steps they should take? Yeah, I mean, join EX Design School, <laughs> <laughs> become an excellent member. Um, that would be a really good place to start. But honestly, I think, you know, a term that has been used quite a lot recently, and we've talked about this for a long time at Humankind, is to, is to do stay interviews. You know, I think yeah. a lot of organisations focus on exit interviews, which, you know, Uh, may or may not provide value but you know stay interviews are a really great place to start talk to your people that are with you ask them some really simple questions about them don't just ask them questions about what they think about the company and you know you're going to unlock a whole lot of stuff and that's a really really good starting point for 
starting to think about and understand the employee experience in your organisation and join EX Design School. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's, yeah, that's, that's a very, very clear um, recommendation <laughs> for, for what people should do, but also it, a very nice practical idea that people could pick up and like you, you know, I, I know, I, I think the last figure I saw was 82% of organisations in New Zealand do exit interviews and I think the figure was less than 10% that actually do something on the, on the basis of it. So I think oh, the challenge becomes with stay interviews is it's actually the start of a conversation rather than the end of a conversation. Of course, yeah, yeah. and I think that's the thing. Don't ever ask your employees what they think if you're not going to do anything about it. Um, that's just wasting everyone's time and it becomes extremely sort of uh, just demoralising for employees. I think you've got, if you if you genuinely care, ask them and then take action um, and communicate along the way. Like be transparent. Tell your employees what you've learned from talking to all of your employees. They want to know. And the thing is, if you don't tell them, they know anyway. <laughs> um, you know, your employees know a lot more than what I think people give them credit for. For So I think that's a really exciting place to start. Fantastic. So um, sort of final question really is then reflecting back, back on this journey that you've been on. What's your biggest achievement? Oh, my gosh. That's a really hard question that I was not prepared for. Um, so many things. I think I'm just really incredibly proud of the people that I work with. I have just the most amazing people in both my team at Excellent and my team at Humankind. I'm surrounded by people that really care about this, um, that really believe in humanity at work and human-centred workplaces being the only way to achieve success in the future and I just feel so grateful for everyone that I meet along the way. Last year I met some of the most inspiring people I've met my entire career through doing the EX Manifesto project and I'm always shocked and surprised and so grateful for the generosity of people to kind of want to help, want to have the conversation. So um, yeah, I think I'm just really proud of the relationships and, and the people that I get to work with. Fantastic. Um, well, thank you very much for that. I think that sort of theme of generosity that, that people show um, sort of maybe inspire people to think about just asking people, whether they're your staff or other people around, you know, what to do to make the businesses yeah. businesses better and more successful. Um, and obviously, thanks so much for Samantha coming in and sharing such expertise, such experience and such energy and vision for the future. Um, so um, that, that sort of completes uh, this this conversation, which uh, I hope has given people some insight and some uh, uh, energy to give some direction around this employee experience. Uh, I think during the, the interview, uh, Sam mentioned a couple of times about EX Design School and uh, people may want to get in touch with Samantha about that. Um, and obviously, we want to continue these conversations about, you know, with New Zealand organisations about uh, employee experience and other leading edge thinking around uh, HR and people. So thank you all very much for listening.